You're listening to Behind the Scene at NTSB. My name is Leah Walton. And I'm Stephanie Shaw. Thank you for joining us as we talk with the people and learn more about the work being done here at NTSB. Welcome to episode 51 of Behind the Scene at NTSB. Today, Leah and I are happy to welcome back to the podcast Morgan Terrell, the director of NTSB's Office of Marine Safety, to talk about the 2019 fire aboard the small passenger vessel Conception. Welcome, Morgan. Thank you. Actually, welcome back. Thank you. Uh, We had you on the podcast, um, gosh, about a year and a half ago when we were still in the virtual space. Um, But we are happy to be recording this live at the NTSB headquarters today. So before we get into the investigation, um, I want to offer you an opportunity to kind of reintroduce yourself to our audience, share a little bit about your background and what brought you to the NTSB. Well, thank you, Leah. Thank you, Stephanie. And uh, it's a pleasure to be back. So I spent 17 years as a licensed deck officer aboard a wide variety of commercial ships and as the captain and manager of an oceanographic research vessel before coming to the board in 2003. I joined the NTSB as a marine accident investigator. I left the agency in 2007 to become the vice president of investigations for a cruise line Mm -hmm. and returned to the agency in 2010. I became the director of marine safety in 2021. Okay. Well, I'm certainly glad that you came back to the NTSB. (laughs) As Stephanie mentioned, uh, in September 2019, we sent a multidisciplinary team of investigators and staff to investigate the fire aboard the small passenger vessel Conception that was anchored in Platts Harbor on the north side of Santa Cruz Island in Santa Barbara, California. Morgan, would you please summarize the events that led to this accident? Well, here's what we know about the investigation. About 3.14 in the morning on September 2nd, 2019, the U.S. Coast Guard received a distress call from the Conception, a 75-foot-long passenger vessel operated by Truth Aquatics Incorporated. The vessel was anchored in Platts Harbor on the north side of Santa Cruz Island, mm-hmm. about 21 and a half nautical miles south-southwest of Santa Barbara, California, when it caught fire. The fire started Five crew members were asleep in their bunks and the crew berthing on the upper deck. One crew member and all 33 passengers were still asleep in the lower bunk room. How soon after the fire occurred was our investigative team launched to California? Well, the incident happened on Monday, September 2nd. Our staff were on scene by Wednesday, September 4th, along with the board member at the time, Mm -hmm. Member Homedy, media relations and transportation disaster assistant teams, and the investigator in charge were joined by four investigators with operational engineering, fire, and survival factors expertise. Okay. Morgan, can you talk about the safety issues that you all um, found in this investigation? Well, first, there were no smoke detectors with interconnected alarms in the passenger spaces. Mm -hmm. Uh, This would allow if there was a fire for all the vessel crew members and passengers to be informed. Mm. Second, the vessel crew was asleep. They mm. should have been had one person on a roving watch mm. so that they could have detected the fire and, and mm. taken action. Uh, third, there was the means of escape from the bunk room both entered into the main salon, which was on fire. Mm. They should have had an independent means of escape to the outside. And finally, of course, company oversight by Truth Aquatics was insufficient. They should have detected that their company crews were not performing their roving watch. Mm -hmm. 
So we'd like to dig in a little bit into the fire and emergency evacuation aspects of the investigation. What were some of the factors that impeded the evacuation of the crew and passengers? You just mentioned that both evacuations kind of went to that same area where the fire was, but um, what other factors really impacted their ability to, to get out? Well, the fire occurred in the main salon, which separated five of the crew from the 33 passengers and the crew member in the bunk room on the lowest deck. The fire in the main salon was fully developed before the passengers could escape. The two escape routes from the lower berthing area consisted of one stairway at the forward end and an escape hatch at the aft end, which was blocked by one of the bunks. Both routes exited into the main salon, which was on fire. Was was there uh, smoke and fire detection systems? Were they on the boat? Um, And if so, what what did they have? And... Uh, were they functioning as they are supposed to? The smoke detection in the lower berthing area was functional. However, there were no fire detectors in the main salon area where investigators determined the fire started. Hmm. If the fire detectors had been installed throughout the vessel and interconnected so that one fire alarm going off would sound an alarm in all compartments, Mm -hmm. it's likely the passengers and crew could have been informed earlier when the fire was not fully developed, allowing attempts to control the fire spread and allowing time for passengers to escape. So what led to, I know you mentioned roving, the roving patrol of, of the crew members. What, um, what led to, to them not, I guess, being able to control the fire or, or put it out or, or led to them not having the, a, a roving patrol as they were supposed to? So the conception certificate of inspection required a roving patrol. And that person who performs that function is there to uh, help maintain the safety of the persons on board, including the crew. The Coast Guard required this vessel to have a roving patrol. The requirement was not being observed, and instead, all crew members were asleep and did not notice fire until it was too late. Hmm. The new regulations will require operators to install alerting systems to ensure that roving patrols remain awake. So what would that, what type of alerting system is that? It would uh, be a sort of an alerting system, a bit like they call a dead man switch, mm-hmm. so that every uh, during a, some sort of interim interval, a crew member would be given an alarm that they would have to answer. Uh, I say every ten minutes or something like they would have to mm-hmm. either log in at certain locations on the vessel, or mm-hmm. they would have to answer an alarm, sure. perform certain tasks uh, at certain intervals. So. The vessel's an anchor. No one's, no one else is awake. It's not just about fire. It's about other safety hazards potentially as well. Sure. Are there any federal oversight um, for the passenger vessel industry? And if there are, can you summarize them? Passenger vessels of this size, they're called small passenger vessels. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all passenger vessels are subject to 46 CFR subchapters T and K and subchapter H for large passenger vessels, ferries, and so on. Those regulations outline all requirements for the domestic passenger vessel fleets. In addition, when those vessels operate, they may be subject to other regulations, such as Title 33 navigation and navigable waters. That covers aids to navigation, waterways, and pollution, and some other navigation requirements. Sure. Are there uh, are there needed federal regulations to improve the safety of those things? 
The Coast Guard has implemented some interim requirements stemming from the conception accident. We would like to see safety management systems to be included in regulations for small passenger vessels. Additionally, there are recommendations related to duck boat safety that need to be implemented. The Branson accident demonstrated that the original duck vessels have stability problems, and those need to be resolved. And for those vessels, their canopy should be removed until the stability issue is improved. So in March, the House Transportation Infrastructure Subcommittee on Coast Guard and Maritime Transportation held a hearing in Santa Barbara, California, to look at the issue of small passenger vessel safety. What was the impetus of that hearing? Congress has been very interested in NTSB safety investigations and safety recommendations, Mm -hmm. particularly in the maritime mode. The local delegation in California was interested in hearing from the NTSB and the Coast Guard directly on the progress of implementation of their legislation. Sure. And then who who from NTSB participated in that um, hearing? Our chair, Jennifer Homedy, testified about the conception investigation mm-hmm. and the status of our safety recommendations, along with Admiral John Mauger from the Coast Guard. Okay. Um, the investigation highlighted the need for and the benefit of safety management systems. Can you talk what can you talk about what is a safety management system in the marine industry? Sure. Well, while regulations cover inspection requirements to ensure the vessel is properly equipped and in good condition, there's a need for a process to ensure the vessel is operated in a safe manner mm-hmm. uh, by the crew, in mm-hmm. particular in the, in the company. So a safety management system, or SMS, is an enterprise approach to risk management. Essentially, it's a formal organizational tool that's comprised of policies, procedures, checklists, and corrective measures mm-hmm. to ensure your vessel crews are operating a vessel in accordance to regulations, company requirements, best practices, with a goal of continuous improvement. So what, what would a comprehensive and properly implemented SMS look like for Marine? A well-implemented system begins with clearly communicated policies. Mm-hmm. The SMS program outlines regulatory requirements, certain critical component manufacturer recommendations for operations and maintenance. From there, management provides the vessel crew with specific procedures to follow to implement those requirements. Mm -hmm. The system then provides auditing methodologies to report nonconformities and corrective action processes. Marine SMS programs usually include a preventive maintenance program as well as a required element. And how could an SMS uh, prevent an incident like this from happening? Well, it was apparent that the roving patrol was not something the crew performed regularly. Mm. So an SMS would have identified the roving patrol requirement listed on the conception certificate of inspection and then outlined a procedure how to implement the requirement with an internal audit by the company and an external audit by an independent organization. The lack of a roving patrol would have been identified and corrected. Sure. Um, Does the U.S. Coast Guard require passenger vessel operators to have an SMS? As of yet, no. Mm. Larger vessels under Subchapter H typically have an SMS. Mm -hmm. We have a safety recommendation to address this, which is still open. Sure. So, you know, looking at the the benefit of SMS and it being, you know, across all modes, something that the NTSB advocates for and has talked about safety management, why, why is it required for some vessels, but but not others? Vessels in international commerce have been required to have an SMS 
program for since the late 1990s. And if you are a large vessel, typically oil tankers, passenger vessels, mm -hmm. they've been required under international rules to have an SMS. Vessels in domestic trade are subject to U.S. domestic laws. Congress has passed a law require, asking the Coast Guard to implement regulations mm -hmm. to require small passenger vessels uh, to carry an SMS program. We've been waiting for that to be completed, the regulation. Sure. As a result of this investigation, you issued some new recommendations to improve safety for small passenger vessels. Can you talk a little bit about the new recommendations and then also the reiterated recommendations that came out? The recommendations were addressing safety issues we found in the conception accident, primarily the, the lack of an interconnected smoke detection and alarm system, mm -hmm. the roving patrol issue, the egress issues, and then there was another accident, Island Lady. Uh, we, we had a recommendation on smoke detectors in unmanned engine spaces. Mm -hmm. So all those recommendations were put into the Elijah Cummings uh, Coast Guard Authorization Act of 2020. Mm -hmm. And now we're waiting for the Coast Guard to implement all those. The Coast Guard issued a interim rule in March of 2022 requiring small passenger vessels to implement many of those items, including the, the recommendations from the conception we're still awaiting action on the safety management system recommendation that has gone back nearly 20 years. It is hopeful that there's been some action taken on some of these, though. It's very promising that, again, the Coast Guard implemented interim rules, mm -hmm. and we're waiting the final rule, which will come out after they implement the, these requirements. They'll find out some issues. They'll find out they need to fine-tune yeah. or uh, change the implementation rules. And then the safety management system, the, I know the Coast Guard has been working on this, and we're, we're eagerly awaiting that first promulgation. Yeah. So uh, improved passenger and fishing vessel safety is highlighted on the NTSB most wanted list of transportation safety improvements. And the fire aboard the Conception really shines a light on why. Um, can you talk about why this item has been highlighted on the most wanted list and what can be done to improve safety? The NTSB has a history of taking particular interest in the safety of the traveling public. and It's no different in the maritime mode. There are a number of safety recommendations to improve passenger vessel operations, including duck boats and others. When the board considered what topics to place on the most wanted list, it was clear that the risk to the public was important to highlight. Additionally, the NTSB put improving fishing vessel safety on the most wanted list due to the need to address repeated fatal accidents in that maritime sector. Sure. Are there any um, any other takeaways that you'd like to share with our audience about this accident? Identifying risk is an ongoing and evolving critical process. Vessel owners and operators should always be asking themselves, what if? What if I have a fire in this space? Mm -hmm. Or what if I run, run aground? What should the crew do? What's the plan? A well-designed safety management system helps owners, operators, and crews prepare and problem-solve before an accident happens. An SMS will not necessarily prevent accidents, but it will help mitigate the consequences. So I urge any vessel operator to invest and adopt a safety management system to help them move away from a culture of compliance to a culture of safety. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. As we mark the three-year anniversary of conception, there are really important lessons to be learned. NTSB Congress and the Coast Guard are now taking action. And 
from a different uh, lens or from a different perspective, for anyone who is considering going on a passenger or a fishing vessel um, from the public side, is there anything that they should be doing or taking note of uh, as they're planning their trips? There are a number of cases recently. Uh, it's a growing problem called illegal charters. Mm. So the first thing people need to do is make sure that the operation is uh, using licensed operators, crew members, mm -hmm. make sure that they're an above board organization. If they have any questions, they could call the local Coast Guard office sure. to ensure the boat is uh, legitimately chartered. Mm -hmm. Chartering uh, vessels are very expensive to own and operate. And so owners typically will try to charter the vessel to earn income to help defray expenses. Mm -hmm. And the, the downside is that you get some owners who have no business understanding you know, the risk involved of carrying passengers sure. and the regulations involved. So that's the first thing. Make sure it's a legitimate operator. And even the leg legitimate operators, uh, make sure that you know when you walk aboard, where is the where are the life preservers? Mm -hmm. What are the escape routes? Mm -hmm. What do I do in an emergency? And ask the crew questions and, you know, be, you know, probe their knowledge of their own vessel. And certainly I think uh, knowing where your own life preserver is at all times is a, is a good practice. Yeah. Sure. I would say, Morgan, I know just thinking about the issue specifically of SMS and knowing that there isn't a regulation or requirement yet for, for operators, what would you say, you know, to, to an operator who is, is looking at ways to, to improve the safety of their operations um, about SMS and, and how, how to really get started with implementing one? first, they don't need to wait for regulation. Mm. Uh, they can absolutely go and implement an SMS. An SMS system, uh, there's, there, the, past, the Passenger Vessel Association has a structure. They can uh, join the PVA and use their flagship uh, SMS program. Uh, there's a number of owners and companies that will provide one for you for a fee. Mm -hmm. But really, it's not difficult. It's not a difficult process, and it'll actually add a lot of value to um, your organization, identifying risk and, and finding out where, where your vessel's Achilles heels are, you know, to find mm -hmm. out mm -hmm. sure. the, the areas that you need to improve. So I encourage them to look into it, talk to other operators, talk to their even their competitors and find out, you know, how they did it. And uh, there's a lot of resources out there to help owners and operators implement a safety management system and it doesn't have to be perfect something is better than nothing uh, the critical component is auditing and that's where you normally would bring in an external party to mm -hmm. audit and i see a lot of operators bring in associations like pva to help them with that mm -hmm. we're getting to the close of our podcast so i just wanted to offer you morgan any closing thoughts that you might have before we wrap up when I was in California at Santa Barbara in the hearing we spoke about, we had the opportunity to meet some of the families. And of course, you know, three years is a, a very you know sad time for the families. Mm. But I just want to assure them that we are doing everything we can to urge action and close these recommendations uh, successfully. Uh, implementation of safety measures to make sure that that this terrible tragedy doesn't happen again. And uh, just know that our folks in marine safety and that board are committed to uh, making sure that happens. Yeah, thanks. Stephanie, any final thoughts from you? 
Just thank you, Morgan, for taking the time to to sit and talk with us about this um, investigation and then the action that has been taken and clearly the action that still needs to be taken to prevent something like this from happening again. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you very much, Morgan. And as a reminder to our listeners, we have uh, the full report of of this investigation on our website. And uh, we appreciate James being the fantastic editor and producer that he is. Thank you, Stephanie, for being a fantastic co-host. And thank you, Morgan, again, for joining us. And we will see you. you and chat with you all at the next episode. Thank you for joining us on Behind the Scene at NTSB. Subscribe to and like us on your favorite podcast platform. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And don't forget, you can always find us at ntsb.gov. Thank you and bye.